Hello, everyone. This is your host, Deep Mystery, for the podcast of Solving the Mysteries to Success. Today, I have a very special guest with me. His name is Raj Mubuhar, and uh, we're going to be talking all things from doing computer engineering at UCSB to working at Workday and then all the way to getting a job at Apple. How are you doing today, Raj? Hey, Deep. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just quarantined like everyone else. <laughs> yep. So let's get started. You know, the first question that I ask all my guests is, how was your undergrad experience? And, you know, for the viewers out there, you went to UC Santa Barbara and majored in computer engineering. How different is that from a regular computer science major? And what were the pros and cons of doing that major at UCSB? Anything you would tell yourself differently uh, looking back after all these years? Yeah, sure. Um, so when I was in high school, uh, I knew I wanted to do some type of engineering. Uh, I didn't know what, uh, but I wanted to build something. Um, I, had, I had a passion for computers growing up, and I thought, you know, maybe computer science might be a route that I want to go towards. I did a little bit of programming here and there, and I kind of fell in love with it. But there was also an aspect of, like, hardware engineering that I didn't really know about, uh, you know, circuit analysis and stuff like that. And uh, when I was looking for programs, I saw that, ECSB had one um, called computer engineering, which essentially, you know, meshed those two areas together um, into its curriculum. So um, I got to have experience with both computer science and hardware. Um, and I figured during the college process, I would actually go and figure out, you know, which one I was more passionate about. Um, so, yeah, basically deciding on that major just stemmed from being unsure about what I really wanted to do. Um so I guess the, the main differences between computer engineering and, you know, a normal CS major is, again, you you, you get to um, dabble a lot more into the hardware side. So we did a lot of circuit analysis, you know, working with breadboards, actually building circuits, um, learning really about electrical engineering, the fundamentals of that. Um, and I think the cool thing about that is that you were not just taking classes, you, know, you weren't just taking computer science classes and then taking electrical engineering classes. There were also classes um, that meshed the two disciplines together, like, you know, computer architecture, right? You know, learning about arithmetic logical units, um, really how you actually build uh, the foundations of a computer itself. Um, so a lot of the coursework would delve into that too, you know, when you're building like shift registers from scratch, uh, as boring and as tedious as that sounds, uh, it kind of helps solidify a lot of the concepts that you would learn in either of the disciplines into one. Um, but yeah, I, I think ultimately I was glad I took this route. Um, and I think, so, I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So any, like, you know, you talk about hardware and software for each, you know, let's break those two subjects down in terms of the expertise or subjects you need to know pretty well. What, what are some things that someone that's going into college or even out of college for those two fields? Uh, what are some of the things that are most important to be successful at? Yeah, I think, Right off the bat, I mean, for electrical engineering, I think having a good foundation in physics is going to be huge. I think science in general is going to be a huge discipline that you want to be strong in. Um, if you have the ability to take, you know, if you're in high school, AP physics is something I took. Uh, calculus is going to be a huge thing. These are, you know, especially with electrical engineering, these are very math-heavy classes. And one thing I guess I should have mentioned, too, is I did also end up doing a minor in math uh, on top of computer engineering just because I had so many math classes that I already had to take in my major, I, you know, I thought I can knock out a minor just by taking a few upper division math classes. But um, definitely, you know, strong suit in math would be 
uh, preferred for that. All right. So, in terms of uh, the experience at UTSB, any like what were the pros and cons of doing a major uh, at at UTSB? Pros and cons of doing. I mean, so for those that don't know, UC Santa Barbara is on a beach, uh, so that was definitely a pro. Uh, I think something about my personality. Um, which I'm sure some folks can relate to. In high school and, you know, earlier, I was a pretty introverted person. Um, I, you know, I had my friends, but I kind of just, like, stuck with them. I hated public speaking. Um, and I think being in social gatherings was just, like, not really my favorite thing. And I think one of the biggest pros of VCSB, you know, not even just from the engineering perspective, but just from being there socially, like, it really helped me break out of my shell. Um, and I think one really cool thing about, the engineering program at UCSB um, that I, you know, I've heard from friends that is kind of different than what they've experienced at other colleges is the collaborative nature um, of like the projects that you're working on, which really I think lended as a benefit to actually working in, in the real world. Um, because oftentimes you're working on a project alone and, you know, you're kind of pounding your head and you're not really encouraged to work with others. Um, and that was definitely the case for some of the lower division classes at UCSB. But as you started progressing, you started working, learning about, you know, what it means to work on a team and what you can bring um, to a variety of different roles um, in that case. So from that perspective, I think UCSB was great um, as an engineering school. Um, I think some of the cons that I experienced was pretty apparent in, like, the lower division classes that I took. I think while we have you know, while UCSB had, you know, brilliant faculty, I, it kind of seemed to, it seemed to, I got the feeling that a lot of them were there mainly for the research. And, you know, it was hard to find professors that were also really, really good instructors and good teachers. Um, I definitely did not think that was the case when I got into macro division classes. But I, I tend to found that uh, a lot of the professors there were, you know, really passionate about the subject itself and research, as well as actually teaching it. Um, so I think that was maybe one of the cons that I saw at UCSB. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, the instructors versus the professors and getting the help that you need as a uh, lower division student. So uh, let's transition to getting that internship at NECU. Can you talk a little bit about uh, first landing it? How did, you, how did you go about the application process and then the interview process? And then the intern experience itself, what were you expecting and what was it actually like? Yeah, um, so I think you know, applying for an internship when you're in college, especially for the first time, is a very daunting experience, and it was for me, too. I didn't really know what I was in for. I, you know, I was very nervous about actually getting a job, how to actually interview. Um, so I had a variety of, like, different phone interviews, you know, one of which was actually Apple, which I'll talk about later. Um, that's, that was sophomore year. But as far as Netgear goes, I think it was mainly just networking. Um, I had a friend at UCSB uh, she was not in engineering. Um, she was, I believe, a history major. Um, but her mom actually worked for Netgear. And she, I, you know, I was mentioning that I was looking for a job. And she mentioned, oh, like, my mom is actually a manager for one of these teams. Why don't you go and talk to her? And for me, this is very early into my career at UCSB. I didn't have that much knowledge into the hardware side at this point. But, um, they were basically looking for an internship position for, you know, like a radio, like wireless uh, engineering uh, internship. And so I think one of the key things 
that helped for me is even though I didn't really know like the ins and outs, right, of going into that subject area, uh, I think accepting that and being really upfront and um, not letting that bring you down is like a big factor in being successful in an internship. I think showing an openness to learn um, was pretty big. Um, yeah, I think that was that was so much, yeah. So what, what was exactly the position entailed? And from your prior knowledge of uh, schooling at UCSB, how much did you actually know? Because I feel like a lot of times when people are in an internship, uh, it's kind of they learn on the job. So what was your exact position and how did you go about getting prepared for it? Yeah, so I think my official title was junior engineer or something like that. Um, and what my role actually did was I was actually working in a radio frequency lab. So we were actually working with the prototype hardware um, at Medgear and actually testing it. So it was a really cool experience because what I got to do was work in a lab where we had like a wireless chamber uh, where we could actually, you know, set a prototype uh, router and test different frequencies and different noise levels to see how we would behave, you know, basically simulate how we would behave in a real-world setting. Um, and we would actually, I would actually use the skills that I learned from college in terms of soldering uh, to actually go and test out different, you know, components like resistors and whatnot uh, and actually see how that applied to, like, a more consumer-facing device that I was already familiar with. I guess on a more intimate level. Um, one other really cool aspect of that job is, apart from the lab, Netgear actually had a, you know, a rental property, like an actual house, um, where they set up a lot of these devices and actually got to help run a lot of those simulated tests within that house itself um, to kind of see what happens when you turn on a microwave, you know, at a 2.4 gigahertz frequency and see how that actually affects your router that's running at the same frequency. Um, it, it was it was a pretty cool job. Um, definitely, while I was in college, like you know, I definitely got to leverage some of the experience that I had in college. But I think that learning on the job is uh, definitely something that people are going to experience, and I got to experience that as well. In that year. So, would, would you say this internship was more on the hardware side? Yes, this was definitely on the hardware side. I wasn't I wasn't coding I think at all during this internship. So did you know going going uh, beforehand that you wanted to do hardware, or was this just you wanted to see what what it would be like? Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely at the point where I wasn't sure. You know, once I graduated, what which field I really wanted to specialize in and go into. Um, so I was kind of open to any opportunities. And I think at this point, you know, as cool as this job was, like I I did want to pursue the hardware route, um, and I was kind of continuing down that route. And um, it really wasn't until my junior and senior year, like when I was getting more into like the upper division software classes where I thought, Hey, maybe I should try focusing on this. And the funny thing is that none of my internship experience actually was in software. It was all in hardware. I had two years at Netgear. Um, and then a year before that I was working, uh, in an IT role, uh, at a biotech company, um, which again was not coding. Um, but I think a lot of the projects that I actually worked on as a senior um, helped me, it helped encourage me to actually go into software. And it seemed like a more viable option for me. And I saw a lot of growth for myself in that area as well. Um, right. Yeah. So that, that, yeah. So that brings me to the next uh, question. You know, you're, 
first full-time job at Workday as a student system associate application developer. What, is, what does that exactly entail? What, what was your day-to-day like, and what was the process of interviewing for that kind of role? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about the interviewing first. Um, so I basically met with Workday the first time at a career fair at UCSB, which I highly encourage people to go to, even if you don't have your resume ready, just going around and, you know, understanding what people are looking for, what companies are looking for is a great thing. Um, but, I, yeah, I walked into the Workday booth at this point um, because one of my friends had actually just gotten a job at Workday. He was one of my classmates, and he brought me to say, like, hey, you should talk to these people. And it was funny because at this point I was still kind of set on going to Netgear full-time. And he's like, no, just come talk to Workday. It seems like a really cool company. And that's basically what I did. And I ended up meeting uh, who was going to – I ended up meeting the person that was actually going to be my boss uh, for about four years at Workday. Um, And so I met – basically did an on-campus interview, uh, which, you know, had a little bit of uh, object-oriented focus question, uh, you know, Java-based questions. Uh, Got through that. Um, and then they actually flew me up from Santa Barbara to Workday to actually do an on-site interview. And what was interesting at this point is, so for those that don't know, Workday specializes in like finance, financial HR payroll software. Um, and so what I did is I interviewed with a number of those teams. It was like an all-day interview, basically from like 7.30 or 8 a.m. to like 4 p.m. So you're talking to a bunch of people, um, you know, different types of questions. There's like about an hour of actual like tech tests that they actually do so that involved like actually whiteboarding and really showing that you had um, the chops in object-oriented design and uh, software uh, principles. So what happened with that interview is after that, you know, I contacted the recruiter and the recruiter basically said like, hey, you know, we actually filled this position. Um, we're sorry to, you know, that we couldn't actually offer you anything at this point. And I was like, Damn, that kind of sucks because I, after talking to the managers and actually getting to know more about work there, I was really, you know, keen on working there. Um, and I think this is something that I learned um, that I really still try to emulate is just persistence. So basically my last quarter of UCSB, I kind of kept contacting that recruiter, right? Like I wasn't messaging her every week. You don't want to be annoying, but just kind of just to check in, right? Saying like, you know, what, are there any openings? You know, I really enjoyed uh, the conversations that I have and that, and, you know, the timing of things actually ended up working great because I ended up interviewing again for a new team, uh, called Workday Student, which at that point wasn't even announced. Um, so I ended up interviewing there doing kind of a similar onsite interview. And that day, you know, later that day, the recruiter called me to tell me that I got the job and obviously I was very ecstatic. Um, and, Joining that team was amazing because it was essentially like a startup within Workday. Um, I was one of the first five developers that joined that team. And at that point, before I joined, there were no developers. There were only product managers who had a ton of use cases, you know, ready to go. And they were waiting for uh, engineers to join the team. So that, you know, the first two, three years of that job were, you know, some of the best, I think, in my career in terms of like learning, you know, one, how to, you know, work in a full-time job. To just like the camaraderie that you feel in kind of that startup vibe, uh, you're wearing a lot of different hats, right? Like you join, I, I joined as the title that you mentioned, right? Student System Associate Applications Developer. Um, but there were a ton of other areas that needed work, right? Like whether it was like test automation, 
um, a web services, whatever it may be, right? So we got to wear a ton of different hats very early on um, into our careers. When I say ours, the other developers that joined out of college at the same time as me. Um, and it was really it was funny that we joined this particular team. Uh, what Workday Student was was actually a cloud-based university system. You know, so I think I'm sure many of the listeners here are familiar with what their student system might be, whether it's registering for classes or financial aid, um, you know, records, anything like that, the admissions process. A lot of the systems that schools use right now are very archaic. So we got the opportunity to basically come right out of using some really frustrating software and had an opportunity to go and change, you know, change the game a little, essentially, on how students are actually interacting with the university systems. Um, so super relevant to us. Uh, it was it was an amazing team, you know, essentially became like a family for me. A lot of the friends that I still interact with now are from that same exact team. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, we worked a lot of late nights. Um, but, again, that sense of camaraderie was uh, – I, I had I've yet to see that, I think, anywhere else that I've worked. Um, right. So I think, I think it was really cool to actually get to experience that uh, as my first job out of college. So if you weren't as persistent, you would have been going back the next year doing hardware? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think I would have still applied. Um, but I think if, if there's one piece of advice that I can give to anyone listening is, you know, continue to be persistent. If, and if you aren't, you know, kind of just learn to do that. And I think there's a way of doing it, right? There's a sense of humility that you, you have, right? It's not, it's not where you're demanding, right? Like, hey, I deserve this. Um, I need this. Like, I think uh, a mentality that a lot of young folks have right now, it's like, you know, I work this hard. Why don't I have this yet? Right. And I think going in with the mentality that, you know, nobody really owes you anything. Right? It's like, you have to put yourself out there. Um, you show a willingness to learn. And I think that itself is going to go really, really far. Um, yeah, I guess that would, that would be my advice on that. You know, that's a great, that's a great piece of advice. So in terms of the job, so you really were wearing multiple hats. One day you're coding, another day you're doing uh, another activity. Yep. Okay. Um, what, so what were you expecting, uh, what, what the first day would look like? A lot of viewers or listeners, uh, something that I'm trying to help them understand, what does that first day look like? How did you prepare for that first week? Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so basically the time I had between actually getting the job and then actually starting the job was about two weeks. And in that time, um, my boss or get the, the boss that I was going to have, uh, referred me to some books, you know, to talk about like UML design, like object oriented design was a huge part of software development at Workday. Um, so he was just like, you know, you should just brush up on this, right? Uh, cause this is, essentially the framework that we're going to use to develop our software here. Um, so I did that before going in. The first day at Workday was essentially just filled with orientation stuff, right? And then at the very end of the day, we actually got to go and see, like, where our desks were and where we were going to be working. And obviously, that was very, very exciting. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the initial, you know, first few weeks is just, like, you're going to – depending on where you work, every – I found that every company – or even team has like their own language and their own lingo acronyms. I think you are ultimately going to be drowning in that. <laughs> um, you're going to have, you know, just learning how engineers 
uh, and other members of your team are basically interact with each other. That's a big piece. Um, the, the thing about Workday was, that was really cool is that you were really encouraged to ask questions. And I think one thing that facilitated that is that Workday used its own proprietary language to actually build applications, right? So you're, when you join the company, you know, you are not expected to know this language because it does not exist. Based on, you know, object-oriented principles, but there isn't really anything like it outside. So you can't really learn without asking questions. Um, and I think the first, like, few months, you are constantly asking questions, and then as the team actually grew, you are suddenly, without even realizing, you're the one actually answering a lot of questions from new people that are joining. And I think being able to kind of teach is a great way to solidify a lot of that knowledge yourself. So that, that was kind of my experience in the first few months uh, to a year at Workday. Awesome. That, that's really good uh, way to put it full circle for asking to answering. Um, what was the social aspect like? I think a lot of college students entering a new job, a big company, they're worried about basically not having access to that, you know, segue of just having friends around you all the time. How did you transition for, or how does Workday uh, help that transition? Yeah. Um, so again, I think I got really lucky because Workday has a program called Generation Workday, um, which is essentially like a college transition program um, where you are basically put in this community of other new fresh grads that have also joined Workday, right? So you, they encourage networking and like, you know, building that friend group pretty much right off the bat. They'll have speaker series throughout, you know, the year. The first couple, I, I think the program lasts for a year and a half or a year now. I can't remember. I think it was a year for me. Um, but you basically have like, you know, these mini TED talks with the company with leadership um, from around the different areas that work. It's not just engineering or you have like marketing, and whatnot. Um, and you're put into this, I guess, this community where you don't really feel like you're alone, which is which is pretty cool. And again, the specific team that I joined also had, you know, fresh grads um, ranging from a few different schools. There was one from UCSB, a couple from Cornell, um, some from Cal Poly. And it just really felt like we were in the same boat. I think that group, you know, we, had, we clicked so well um, that like, I didn't really feel like I left college. I think it was it was actually, you know, just awesome because I felt like I was working. I got to, I basically got paid to work on another project, um, just long term. Uh, so that transition was actually really cool. I think that, you know, that lasted for about like three, three, four years. Um, and then as the team kind of grew and obviously, you know, I think your 20s, you are growing a lot, right? Like early 20s is going to be very different than, the late 20s, like right now I'm, I'm 29. And I think, you know, priorities for that same friend circle, whatever you may have, is all going to change, right? Like the accessibility to your friends, I think is going to be one thing that is going to be a little bit jarring for most people that leave college and go into the real world. In college, I remember just being able to, you know, bike over to my friend's apartment or if I still come over to mine and, you know, immediately just hang out. Um, as people go to different parts of the country or even the world, um, it's really hard to keep in touch. I know, I guess right now, everybody's in the same boat because nobody's going anywhere. Um, it, it, is, it is, I guess, harder to actually stay in touch with a lot of your friends, um, just like on a regular basis without, you know, doing a lot of extensive planning. Um, so I think that was one thing that I 
that I experienced from like a social aspect. But it did help that my coworkers essentially did become some of my best friends. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. I think well, one of the most important things that, that I'd like to ask you about too is uh, forming a routine. How did you form a routine right out of college uh, in that first job? Because in college you kind of have time all the time, you know. Yep. And and in a in a full time job, your set your set hours are fixed. How did you go about building a routine for yourself? Yeah, um, I think with the first couple of years it was a little hard uh, because you know you you're kind of immersing yourself right, when you're learning about this new job and the new technologies and everything that you're throwing yourself into, and you end up working late. And I think at some point you're going to have to figure out how to draw the line and saying like, okay, this is my work time and now this is the time where I want, you know, I get to do other stuff, right? Um, whether it's other hobbies or spending time with, you know, people around you. I think it's really hard to initially make that distinction, but I think it's still something that, you know, I am figuring out how to do properly. Um, but it is, I think, an important skill that you will develop over time. Have you Have you found any key things in your routine that you'd like to share that have been helpful? Um, well, it's been interesting for me. Uh, well, when I was at Workday, I didn't really have a commute. Uh, Workday is based in Pleasanton. I live in San Ramon. Um, so it was about like a 12-minute drive. Um, so, you know, I was able, you know, when I got off of work, I was at home, you know, not that much after, which is which is pretty nice. Um, I think it, got, it was a little bit more difficult once I moved to Apple, uh, because I still live in San Ramon and Apple's in Cupertino. And for that, you know, for those that don't know their, their geography and more importantly, the traffic, um, it could take about, you know, two hours of upwards of two hours each way to get home and go to work. And, you know, that was basically just time that I didn't have anymore. And I was kind of finding myself uh, centering my day around my commute. And so while I felt like I had a balance before when I was at work day, it was kind of hard to figure out how much I could get that bounce back now at Apple um, because I was waking up super early just to get to work on time and then also making sure that I could leave work on time so I don't hit a lot of traffic so I can actually enjoy my evenings, you know, to some extent. Um, but I think ironically with this whole shelter in place thing, I've found the ability to not have to center my day around my community because I'm working from home, which I think 90% of people in tech are doing right now. Um, and I am, you know, finding time to actually, you know, do things like, you know, work out, uh, work on other hobbies like music or whatever it may be. Um, I think, I think it's really just up to the person to figure out like you know, how, how they're going to actually set up time for themselves. I think the important thing is just acknowledging that you do need to set up time for yourself at some point. Right. What about, let's talk about mentors as an early professional and you can speak on this along with your first job, and then you went on to a software application engineer, and then to a senior, and then to a, te a technical product manager. Talk about that, you know, moving up, up the ladder in a sense, and seeking mentors as a young professional. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think one of the biggest, big, I think one of the best things that my boss that I had for the first four years at work they did for me is he threw me into really uncomfortable situations. And when I say uncomfortable, they were uncomfortable for me because 
he had me basically be an advocate for workday students, like testing infrastructure. And so I would be meeting with other advocates from other teams. And, um, you know, there were advocates that had been at workday for like 10 years. And I was sitting there, you know, essentially discussing, sometimes defending and sometimes having to argue about things that, you know, we wanted to do differently as a team based on what we've learned. Um, and I think that was like a really, really cool experience to have because one, I got to kind of get over my fear of, you know, talking in a public setting. And two, I got to experience basically hear and learn from engineers that have, you know, years and years more experience than me um, and kind of absorb that. So I think, you know, with finding mentors, like I think that is definitely something you should do. To, like I mentioned before, just be humble and ask questions, right? And you, you'll find a, you can, you'll kind of talk, you'll figure out like, you know, who is receptive to a lot of that kind of stuff. Like some people are just naturally good at being mentors. Like they will take the time, they will answer questions. Um, and I think another really good aspect of a mentor is the ability to challenge you as well, right? Like you don't want to surround yourself with people that are just always going to you know, agree with you or, you know, not really question what you're doing, right? Like sometimes when you get those questions, they can be kind of annoying, like, oh, why are you doing it this way? You know, you kind of take out the ego from a lot of these conversations and you put yourself in, you put yourself in their shoes and really think about it from a different perspective. Um, and I think people like that, you know, where you can have that back and forth with um, are really good mentors. And that's kind of what I did in my experience at Workday. Um, because I got exposure to a lot of these other teams, uh, primarily in our test automation uh, infrastructure at Workday, um, I ended up, you know, getting to have a lot of say in what a lot of that test infrastructure should look like. And eventually that team reached out to me and was like, hey, why don't you just join our team as product manager? Because you have a lot of experience with what developers are, you know, asking for and what they need. Um, it would be great to have your insight uh, and your leadership to be able to dictate, like, you know, what our team should be building. Um, so that's kind of how that conversation happened. Um, and, you know, before this, I wasn't really planning on going into product management, and this was specifically a technical product management job. So while I wasn't re the, basically, you know, a product manager will interface with customers, figure out what their actual needs are, and then translate that and relay that back to an engineering team. And that's kind of how software development usually works. Um, but for me, our customers were other app developers at Workday. Um, so I kind of learned how to really, you know, sit down with some of those engineering managers or engineers themselves, listen to their pain points and, you know, show a sense of like empathy, right? Like, you know, what their pain points might be, what their issues are. Um, and how do you translate that into something consumable for your engineering teams to actually build and actually believe in? And, you know, while I miss, you know, coding all the time, um, I found that this is something that I actually ended up enjoying a lot as well. Um, so that's kind of how my transition went from going purely just from coding and from engineering to kind of like a technical product management role. That was so, so when you're going out and seeking a let's say another role in a company, uh, even a mentor, are you blatantly going to your boss and say, Hey, can I form the mentorship or can I 
be considered for this job, or is it more like they come to you? Um, it it really really depends. Um, you know, the important thing I think is to be really transparent with uh, your current manager, right? Like I think when things are starting to get a little bit more real and you are thinking of moving teams, like it's important to kind of loop in your current manager before. Right? I think I don't think there is there's a problem with having conversations with you know other teams just to learn. Right? I think most a lot of people on those other teams will be very, you know, willing to answer questions or just teach you about what their team actually does, right? There's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, but once you are thinking of making a move within the same company, I think it's really important that you you be transparent. Right. So, you know, you've worked at Workday for five years. Any, I mean, you've already talked about it through our conversation, but any, any lasting piece of advice to share that, those five years of experience for advice? Yeah. Um, I know I know when I was, you know, at work day, especially in the early years, um, a lot of my friends that were working at different companies, they were, you know, moving around jobs, right? And I think that's fine. Right? Like every person has um, a different goal and a different mindset. And they would often ask me, like, hey, how long are you going to be at work day? Are you going to be there for, like, the rest of your life? You've been there for, like, three years. You've been there for four years. I eventually left after five and a half years, but um, I think something that was told to me was that you, you should ask yourself two questions. It's, you know, for your career. It's like, one is, am I having fun? And two, am I learning? Um, and I think I asked these questions uh, when I was on my first team at Workday. Uh, and, you know, I was obviously having fun. The student team was, you know, it was essentially like my second family. Um, but I wasn't really sure how much more I would be able to learn in this space. Right? And I think that's a very healthy question to ask yourself. And I think when you're in your 20s, um, at least for me, it, it's it's very important to kind of push yourself into really uncomfortable and unfamiliar situations as much as possible. Um, because while they may be hard initially, you are going to grow, end up growing a lot more after that. And I think that's, you know, kind of what I felt when I left student and went into the other team to become a technical product manager. Um, I did feel a sense of, like, unfamiliarity. And then I definitely felt that sense when I finally left Workday to come to Apple. Uh, it's a completely different world. I didn't know anybody here. Um, and kind of the mentality I had was the same thing. I'm having fun and am I learning? Right? And I think uh, you were you asked earlier about, you know, a lot of, new college grads look for, you know, the social aspect of their job, uh, making sure that, you know, the, the coworkers are people that they can actually go, you know, hang out with after work. And I think that's, you know, that's generally important, I think, wherever you work. But I, I don't know in terms of priority if that's always going to be the case. And for me, when I, when I left Workday and joined Apple, I kind of came to terms that I may not have that same kind of, you know, social culture that I had at Workday. Um, but for me, I was really, really excited about getting to work at things at Apple. Um, for for me, like I, I've kind of grown up being an Apple fanboy, and it's always kind of been a dream to work at Apple. Um, and I'm here, and I, it's been awesome. It's been very stressful, and you know, it's pushed me a lot. Um, but it's been fun, and it's been really rewarding to see the kinds of things that I have actually worked on in a little over a year at this company. And 
while I don't have that same social culture and like the same connections, especially now while we're you know working from home, you know, my coworkers are nice, right? You know, they are great people to work with, um, but it's not the same connection, at least at this point, that I have with folks at Workday. Um, but I'm, you know, kind of balancing the priorities in my head. Is like I am actually getting to work on something that I have dreamed about working on and kind of what inspired me to go into engineering in the first place. Um, so that I think that's kind of my mentality right now. No, those, that that's a really way. That's a really good way to put it. You know, asking yourself these two questions: Am I having fun and am I learning? Um, for you talk about this kind of you know moving on to Apple. What was the decision making process which you talk about uh, with answering those two questions? But what's the difference in interviewing right out of college versus after working five years? Yeah, um, I can say that it was very different, and I. I have to qualify that by saying, you know, so when I joined, when I joined Workday, I was interviewing for an entry-level software engineering position. When I joined Apple, I was joining as an engineering project manager. And so that, you know, from the technical perspective, they are going to be very different. I'm not going to get coding questions for this particular position at Apple. Um, but the questions um, at Apple were a lot, they were, they were, basically asking about my experiences and they were, they wanted to see how I could apply those experiences to, you know, unfamiliar situations and how I could learn from that. Um, so a lot of the interview process was like very situational, right? Like, you know, how would you uh, address this issue, you know, under this circumstance? Um, who would you talk to? How would you, it, it was, it was a lot more of like a, you know, logistical kind of situational type of interview question and they, they really wanted to know about your experiences like how did you handle pressure what did you do in situations where you got into you know a debate or you had to mediate you know a, a heated argument potentially in a meeting um yeah so that, i think that that's kind of where the difference lies in my interviews between workday and apple but i think even if i was applying for an engineering position you know like a software development position at apple i can imagine that um, they would ask a lot more about my previous experiences um, than the entry-level position I worked in that I had originally applied for. So it sounds to me like, uh, and something that young professors, even myself, you kind of want to have a, a pathway of the roles that you accumulate over the years. Was that something in, in the back of your head, or was your mentality, you know what, I'm just going to work, and then the right role, role will come to me? Yeah, I think, like, I, I guess I never really thought about it when I was younger. I just, you know, I wanted to be an engineer and that was it. And um, I think when you're in, in, you know, software engineering or engineering that, for that matter, there's kind of like a couple routes that you see very early on, early on is that I could continue down the technical path and, you know, become a senior or whatever, you know, be a master at that, or I could go into management. Um, and I think for me, you know, management has always seemed really interesting to me. Um, but personally, like, I feel like I have wanted to kind of just throw myself into as many different areas as I possibly can um, and learn as much as possible before becoming, like, a people a people manager. Um, so that's kind of where my mind has been at uh, until now. And I think like, while I've moved from a strictly, you know, strictly an engineering position into more of like a product slash project management role. Like I, 
I kind of just have this mindset of saying like, I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up in five years. Um, I want it to be good, obviously. And I, I, I'm hoping that I have grown more then than I have grown now. Um, but I don't know what that will necessarily entail for me. And I think having that openness is something that I feel good about it, it, without having a fear of like, Oh, you know, am I going to be able to do X, Y, and Z? It's kind of proving to yourself at this age that you can do it. Um, you can just get over that fear and throw yourself into uncomfortable positions, I think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you talked about that for our viewers out there. I'm sure you can tell Raj is, he's always learning and he's always trying to find the next best thing what are next steps for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been at Apple for a little over a year now, um, and I think that there is a lot to learn at this company. Um, and I think, at least for the next couple years, I want to just really immerse myself in getting a lot of breath into the different areas uh, within software and maybe even beyond. Um, at Apple itself. Um, and during that, like, I think even in this, this year that I spent there, I have gotten exposure to a lot of different areas and I'm trying to figure out how to balance the breadth versus depth um, conversation. Um, you know, I want to be able to become an expert in a certain area of technology, but also understand how that really fits in with the rest of the ecosystem at Apple. Um, so that's kind of my focus right now for the next couple of years. And, you know, just continue to be open because I don't know where I'll be in five years. And I think that's perfectly fine. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation today, Raj. Uh, any last points of advice for our young viewers out there, listeners? Um, I think I had mentioned this before, but uh, don't be discouraged by rejection. Um, you know, be persistent and, be open, being, be open to learn and become comfortable with being uncomfortable. If that makes any sense. Um, just based on the things that I said earlier. Um, but yeah, I wish, I wish everyone luck, uh, to, you know, everyone listening to this. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Deep, for having me. This was, this was great. Yeah. Thank you, Raj. And, and everyone out there, make sure you're staying safe, uh, among this among everyone else out there staying inside and, and make sure you're wearing masks and, you know, just protecting yourself.